Hello and welcome to episode 289 of the Grid Talk podcast. And today we are here to preview the 2023 Spanish Grand Prix. My name is Louis Edwards and joining me today, we have Grid Talk co-host and EF1 host, Sophia Richard. Hi. We have F1 broadcaster, Charlie White. Hello, everyone. And from the Grid Strip podcast, we have Philip Matthew. Hello. But before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA basketball playoffs. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters for this season, as we have you covered for all your insider sport wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, golf to UFC and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favourite casino and card games available to play right from your home. So get into the action today and head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Well... Sophia, we will start not with the team that is absolutely running away with the um, Constructors' Championship, but the new, well, not really new track layout that we have for this year. The, let's say, the improved track layout that we have for this year. The removal of that god-awful final chicane. And now is a long, well, long right-hander, beautiful chance for more overtaking at a track that, let's face it, desperately needed it. Yeah, I'm so excited. Now we're going to like the more traditional circuits. Obviously, we just had Monaco, which, yes, it's traditional, but it's not traditional. <laughs> that kind of makes a sense of it. But yeah, I'm really excited. I watched the F1 Academy highlights, which were in Barcelona two weekends ago as well, and Freca as well, because they raced with was uh, was in Barcelona as well and seeing how much of a difference that's made and how competitive it will go I'm really excited and also like how the DRS has been very powerful as well I think there'll be obviously more battles especially with the track that's it's traditional it's slightly boring but it's a classic I'm really excited to see what these new teams come out with and also potentially some of the upgrades as well it was mentioned in Monaco that there'll be a few upgrades coming to um, Barcelona as well so I'm really excited so I'm hoping it'll be a really good show for it yeah it is an amazing track I I was I was lucky enough to go uh, pre-pandemic and it's a great track to visit but yeah watching the racing there has never been Um, too spectacular so Charlie we will move straight on to our dominant gods basically in Formula 1 at the moment Red Bull Um, of course it didn't particularly work out very well for Sergio Perez but for Max Verstappen he's on an absolute roll and it's hard to see anyone coming close even if it is Fernando's home race no definitely and I was kind of thinking this after the Monaco race um that just went by in that that could have been Fernando's chance to finally, you know, get his podium, uh, his first place this year. And we're only a few races in obviously, but does this Red Bull become the most winningest car in formula one at the, at the rate we're going, it's very possible that it will, it will dethrone the McLaren uh, of days of yore on winning percentage. And because of that, you know, the, the, the removal of the chicane 
is just going to play into that straight line Red Bull's Red Bull strength because they don't have to break. They don't have to slow down. They can just hammer out a turn 12, make that little bend in uh, uh, 13, come out, slow down a bit for 14 and then shoot off that straightaway. So <laughs> like this track is going to be Red Bull one, two, I imagine, because even if somebody gets behind someone else, that DRS is, uh, Sophia was mentioning that the, we've we've discussed it at length before. The, that DRS on the Red Bull is ridiculous. So they get behind anybody, they're just gonna blast past. Yeah, that Red Bull has just been insanely strong. We've seen countless times, especially in like Miami and Baku, just was how just easy it is for that Red Bull just to fly past cars and with an extended straight and a bit more of a power section, it does seem to be the case. But for Philip, there will be some work to do at Red Bull anyway this weekend. Sergio Perez had an absolutely abysmal weekend in Monaco and he will be wanting to fight back because it effectively looks like his title hunt may already be over. Yeah, I mean, if he had a chance to go and, and win the title this year, going and crashing in practice and then having to start dead last is probably not an ideal scenario. Um and then, you know, the way the race went, it didn't help either. Uh, being 39 points back at this point, so you're getting close to two races. If Verstappen goes and wins again, it might be. Um, it's my sound, of course. It's, uh, it's having a great time with that. But um, in terms of Sergio Perez, he has, def- he has to definitely come back and do something about his circumstance or else he's going to be um, basically a domestique for the rest of the year. And he might, he'll, he'll turn into Rubens Barrichello um, at the, and we won't even be through get to July at that point. Yeah. It's a, uh... It's always a little bit sad when you think, you know, we came into this and thought that Sergio Perez had a real chance of the championship, but it it does look like it is uh, kind of uh, done and dusted already. Um, you know, he's already 39 points off and we're on race five, six. It's just it's such a massive overhaul to, to gain, especially on someone like Max Verstappen. But Sophia, the closest challenges we might get to Red Bull... Uh, this weekend has been, well, as it always has been, it's been Aston Martin and Fernando's, um, you know, home race. He's won in less competitive cars around this track. Um, is there a, is there a tiny chance? Could we, could we see it? I mean, I think so. Given the fact that last year he finished P9 starting P20 as well, like it is potentially possible he will battle. And again, that was in an Alpine as well. So very different car. Obviously they did well. Well, one of them did well um, in Monaco, getting the other podium and everything for that with Espan Alcon. But I think it definitely is possible. I think obviously qualifying will make a difference, but He's proven how good he is as a driver, defending where it needs to be, doing some outrageous overtakes as well that's needed. So it really shows his skill and his experience being a seasoned driver with within Formula One. So I definitely think him podium, I think is definitely on the uh, books. I'm hoping it's not a Red Bull one too, because again, that's a repeat of last year. It's consistent-ish. Uh, this season, especially Max winning every single race so far, it's been <laughs> it's getting kind of boring now, which sounds really bad given the fact that we used to say that about um, Hamilton winning all the time as well, like tit for tat kind of style. But I'm really hoping that Fernando 
maybe he might get a win. Imagine the scenes if he was to win, like his first win in ages in his home race. I oh mate, that would probably like that's time will go absolutely ballistic. But yeah, hopefully he'll finish quite high in qualifying and be able to do some good defending, some good overtaking because he knows that track like the back of his hand pretty much, even with the changes of that new chicane. Yeah, you'll, you'll just think of 2013 and, and that and spectacular win. But that was in the past now. Um, Charlie, but for his teammate Lance Stroll, again, kind of mimicking um, Red Bull in the sense that while one teammate was having a great, great race, the other one was having an absolutely atrocious race. And unfortunately, we're starting to see more cracks from Lance Stroll as he's just not, able to keep up with his his teammate and it you do start to question is there a, how much more has Stroll actually got to give now because it it just seemed a little bit case of maybe he's too late yeah I, I mean he dropped off and ended up with uh, a DNF uh, in Monaco and it just his driving the last little bit has just not been where it was in the first couple races where he was in the top 10 consistently, I think for the first three at the very least. And uh, he's, I noticed in, again, to harken back to Monaco for this potential race is that he, I found that he was kind of bringing in some of the old tomfoolery that he would do last year and trying to be a bit too aggressive where he didn't need to be. There was a couple times uh, in the last race where you couldn't have fit half a car through the gap and he's trying to shove it you know wedge it through there and it's just he's causing he's causing grief and i understand and there's a hockey analogy of gripping the stick too tight you want to try and do well and so you're going to try too hard and when you try too hard then the wheels start to fall off for all the metaphors (laughs) but uh yeah i don't i hope he can turn it around i mean being the canuck in this chat right now i always want to see my fellow countrymen do well but uh, you know i just i don't i think it's starting to fall off even with the, a decent aston martin i just i don't i don't want to write him off just yet but i've moved him out of my fantasy pool so we'll leave it at that <laughs> yeah it's, it's almost like he was driving better when he had fractured wrists and now he's <laughs> and now that sort of he's they're all healed now and he's he's gone back to his normal self um but it's it is at the moment Phil quite close in the uh, in the um in the constructors championship with Stroll not doing so well Mercedes have really been able to close that gap to Aston Martin to only a point now they only sit yeah on 119 to Aston Martin's 120 and with these upgrades we're finally going to get to see them on an actual track so how how effective do you think those are going to be now that Mercedes actually get to test them on a well a non tight twisty um, street circuit. Hopefully they'll be all right. Um, I have, I figure after last week, they weren't completely out to lunch at Monaco compared to years past. Um, I mean, yes, they weren't in Red Bull's territory, but nobody is. Um, in, in the sense of what they're able to do uh, this weekend, hopefully they're in the mix with Aston. Hopefully they're in the mix with Ferrari. Um, they are making good points. Um, yeah, I mean, if anything, I'll drop out, but, um, uh, it's been a, 
tough time for them, but I think these new upgrades will actually make things better for them if they're able to um, execute everything and keep the car, you know, one piece, get the data, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Lewis seems to be getting a better handle with the car in general this year compared to last year. George is spending more time on the horn um, than he is actually driving. Um, but, you know, in the in that sense, they're trying to work for second in constructors. And, you know, third in the driver's championship is still in play as well. So that's really what their goals are at the moment. Yeah, it's definitely, the, it, I think it definitely is the case that uh, Hamilton is getting a bit more uh, to grips with the car. He he does have a 19-point lead over, over Russell going into the weekend. But, um, Sophia, it's always difficult to go into a weekend and figure out which one's going to be on top because sometimes you will just have one of the drivers will have an off day. But this consistency that we're seeing from Mercedes and hopefully the improvement we'll see with these upgrades does mean that for Aston Martin, they are going to be a real threat. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely hoping for it. We already know kind of Red Bull's kind of running away with it. So it's definitely going to be a battle of second, third, and even throwing fourth throwing Ferrari into this conversation maybe as well see how they do with some of their upgrades as well but um it's it's good I mean obviously looking back to last year as well George was on the podium as well loose p5 like as you say they are doing consistent and that's also one of the key things as well with this championship because it is potentially unpredictable some of it it's you want to make sure that you're securing as many points as possible. Um, look at Espan Alcon last year being very consistent, getting points and finishing above um, Alonso in the standings and everything for it. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting now as well in regards to upgrades, the fact that we've now seen both floors of Red Bull and Mercedes as well. Those cameras and those photographers were doing everybody a nice justice as well for talking about the different floors and the upgrades as well. Um, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see after the summer kind of the additional upgrades or even if they're able to get it in before the summer break because that's now kind of thrown another spanner into the works about what teams can do to um, improve and be consistent without kind of failure. So I am expecting quite a decent um, outcome for Mercedes for this weekend coming in Barcelona. Do I think it's going to be another podium? Probably not, but I think it will be probably top six finishes um, for that. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, the... There, there's certainly, you know, there does seem to be a, a good evidence now that they have side pods uh, that they might actually uh, be a um, a bit more of a, a force to the rest of the um, the rest of the pack. And for one, Charlie, that's not going to be good news for Ferrari, who at the moment just can't seem to get it right on a weekend to weekend basis. It's just they have not looked anywhere as competitive as they did in Baku, and even then, that was still monstrously overshadowed by the pace of the Red Bull. It's just it's just looking like fourth place is kind of their spot. And if they can compete, it's only very briefly and mostly in qualifying. No, it's true. And they're going to want a better showing than the uh, Grand Prix of last year because uh, Leclerc, he lost power and got a DNF. Uh, I think that was lap 28. Signs spun off in turn four and lost places there. And it just seems to be a continuation of a lot of bad luck. Maybe some of it's luck. It's I don't think it's so much strategy as it was last year. Just things aren't going Merce- uh, 
Mercedes. Things are going Mercedes way. They're not going Ferrari's way. Um, and in the uh, there was a a clip, uh, an interview clip that uh, Leclerc uh, that Charles did, and he pretty much said, uh, "We're not happy with where we are. We've got a lot of work to do recovering performance because right now we're just too far away." So, and he hit the nail on the he hit the nail on the head with that one. They just need to be better, and crashing into walls and that kind of you know. I'm not. I could not match their driving skill, but there are some things like crashing into walls that you could take away, and you'd easily improve performance. So, by that, you know they just. I'm kind of floundering here, but they just for a, a team like Ferrari, it's just kind of odd to see them just struggling the way they are and trying to get anything to go their way between place penalties because we've had to replace electrical units twice and just it's just con- the it's just falling apart yeah it's it's a it kind of feels like a standard ferrari thing to this point it's just that inability to just get it right on a consistent basis and it's uh it's definitely starting to show in the drivers that are getting fed up with it carlos signs obviously had a, had a bit of a um nobody <laughs> had an absolute uh Ranto the radio with his strategy and he and he clearly was very unhappy with some of the, the um decisions that are happening but Sophia it is his home race you know there is still that opportunity with that home race advantage they say well it gives you a few tents and that few tents might be needed yeah I mean to be fair well you got two home races <laughs> above Alonso and Sainz I think that was when um last year it was like the joke about signs and gravel traps as well because he was always going into the traps then but I mean looking back as well for what he said in Monaco he was like the pace was that he was just frustrated and I think that's not the best thing to go into into Barcelona as well like to have a kind of low period and low kind of um feeling towards the team I think it's not a good side to have. And obviously there's been so much issues internally team wise, with strategy calls again. Um, and obviously team kind of dynamics are being changed and everything. I, I really do hope good, but like right now I'm not expecting much. I'm expecting potentially to have some stupid rookie mistakes that you would see Nicholas Latifi do or Stroll or Yuki. Like, from sides, which is something that you don't really want to have, given that he is a good driver. He was consistent a bit last year, and, and he kind of is this season so far, but it's just, it's a combination of so many things. And I think the best thing for him for this weekend is to literally do a really good qualifying, get into Q3, finish in the top kind of six and qualifying, and just put his head down, put the foot down, and just stay there. Like, top six, I think, is probably the best that he could, he can probably do unfortunately which is not what you want to hear for your home race so one team that's going to be hoping for a repeat of last week uh phil is alpine and to say that they had a terrible start to the season was an understatement but they have managed to bring it all the way back they got alcon on the podium gasly very securely in the points and you know they've completely bunny hopped mclaren and now they're going to be looking to absolutely just fly on and maybe even catch Ferrari. Yeah, I, I wonder what they're going to do, Louis. I mean, they, for for Ocon, after Rossi goes and tells him that, you know, he probably doesn't deserve a ride or whatever he said, and then he goes out there and gets a podium, qualifies as well as he did, 
It um, one of his best performances of his career period. And that team, they've been a step behind for most of the season, but now it's opening up to the European season. If they hit this the right way, after the top four teams, and he, I mean, Ferrari's borderline, it's wide open. So they could just, you know, run away with fifth, as you're saying, and really start working towards next year. Um, the driver lineup is is the right lineup at the moment for them. I mean, they do have some talent in F2 and F3, but they're not going to be able to move them up. Uh, the greatness of Formula One, all these guys that are really talented, are not going to be able to go there. It'll be uh, IndyCar's game or Super Formula. But um, for Ocon, good for him. Uh, Gasly starting to get comfortable. And um, this track at uh, Barcelona, I think, should suit their car better. Yes, the power deficit isn't ideal, but um, I think they're in the mix to get both cars in the top 10 uh, in qualifying, give themselves a chance for some decent points. I think that now is becoming the uh, the kind of the bottom line expectation for Alpine would definitely be getting both cars into the top 10 uh, in qualifying and then getting these you know solid points and making up from where the top teams fail, if Aston Martin have an, an off day, Ferrari or Mercedes, they're going to be right there to to take those points. Um, so sixth place, uh, Sophia, um, is McLaren. And <laughs> they're okay, I guess. I mean, Oscar Piastri is definitely starting to get a lot more comfortable in his car. He's really closed that gap to to Lando, but I think at the moment they are both probably getting the most out of that car because it's still not great, but it's at least good enough to be getting those sort of lower end, you know, ninth, tenth places. Yeah, I I was not hoping that to be the case for this season for McLaren, but it's just becoming very much a fact now yeah with double points last week really good especially for Oscar because he does need it given that the fact that he's a rookie I think he was probably a little bit sour the fact that Alpine was doing so well (laughs) and he's in uh, McLaren but yeah they're just so average this season and I think like you said like if they're getting 10th and 9th I think that's a good day for them I think they're very similar to be battling with uh, Haas and Williams and Alpha Torre towards the bottom of the pack, um, and Alpha and Alpha Romeo as well. I think it's just we'll see we'll see how it goes. But I'm really hoping that they kind of do well. But the fact that they aren't getting into Q3 properly and qualifying that's a big issue as well. They just don't have the power. They don't have the speed for it. Yes, they are decent drivers and good drivers, and they can do some good overtaking and such. Uh, but if they don't have the car to back it what's the point kind of thing and yeah we'll see how it goes but i'm not expecting much and that's coming from a not so secret mclaren fan as well so we'll we'll hope but yeah if they get some points I'm, I'll, I'll be really excited to see that but it seems very unlikely yeah as a, as a fellow very uh, not so secret mclaren fan I, I do hope it improves but unfortunately this season is just just going to be a drag and we're going to just see uh probably both um piastri and norris sort of grinding out these results and just trying to make sure that they're not swallowed into the sort of this backfield that is starting to occurring and charlie the sort of the top of that backfield is is harsh it's like from these teams that are like seventh downwards the lack of consistency 
is really weird. We're seeing this sort of backpack that just can't seem to string two good results together. And for Haas, you know, in Monaco, 17th and a DNF, it's just, it's not good enough. And where they want to be is going to be much higher than that. And they're just constantly just not getting there at the moment. No, and I mean, you go and look at how Hulkenberg can do incredibly decent uh, qualifying runs and then will fall off and end up dropping dropping pretty much out of a race. And Magnussen has decent races, but they just can't seem to really crack that top 10 consistently. It's, all, it's a roller coaster ride. You have a decent race and then you drop to the bottom and then you have it. All right, well, they might be back this one. And then it just it's just... Yeah, it, it's, it's this backpack that's forming up. And while we thought Haas may have been able to pull something together, be a bit more consistent, kind of like Alfa Romeo, they just haven't been able to kind of make things stick. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really odd thing. And just as you mentioned, Charlie, Alfa Romeo, Phil, is just another one of those teams. They can't seem to hook two weekends up together. The drivers, I they're absolutely... You can tell, and you know, they're qualifying that they're pushing the most, but it's just so inconsistent in their performances that they are just dragging this we uh, this this team out at the moment until they finally get some Audi money into the into the team and actually make them competitive again. Well, if that's the case, then they're going to be pretty bad for the next three years, um, uh, and uh, they'll be joining Williams uh, in that sense, but. I mean, Botas, I don't think when he joined the team that he thought that it was they're going to tank this quickly. Um, I also think for Joe, he's shown flashes. But, you know, when the car isn't there, it's proof. It's proof positive in Formula One. It's always been the case. But when you don't have the car to compete and you're just grinding to get in a Q2, um, it's an uphill battle, and now that we're going to more open circuits, uh, it's going to be difficult for Sauber to to perform. Um, the rumors supposedly that Alpha are going to join with Haas, notwithstanding starting next year. But you know, it's unfortunate, you know, because Botas works very hard. He's a very passionate uh, driver, and he's back in a smaller team. And I think Joe has a has some level of potential, but you know, Carr and the team aren't there right now. Uh, a lot of these teams are in that boat. I think when they made these rule changes, they thought that more teams would get back into it. Essentially, what they've done is they've made more teams fall out than the other way around. So, uh, good job on the uh, FIA's part in that sense. Yeah, it it's, it it hasn't. Um hasn't seen the competitive levels that we were we were promised, but that comes with, you know, team sizes, team, I know we'd say budgets, there is a budget cap, but still like some teams at the, towards the bottom end don't even meet the budget uh, cap um, year on year. So it is, it is a, it's an odd one. And it's something that um, hopefully we'll see improvements, especially from the likes of Alvaro and well, Salva, when they become Audi, hopefully they will become a bit more of a competitive constructor. Um, and Sophia, 
for Alpha Tauri, their inconsistencies tend to be their own fault <laughs> rather than the, the true pace of the car. It's either, you know, one of the drivers has a bad race or their car just seems to give up on them. And Yuki, um, for all of the sort of stick he's been he gets and maybe rightfully so in the first couple of years, we've seen some real, you know, improvement this year. And he was on for points. So there was no doubt he was did an exceptional job in Monaco. But then his brakes failed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh my God, his radios as well. It makes my day when I hear those ones. I get fearful when I hear Ferraris, but then I actually enjoy um, Yuki's ones. It's interesting the fact that given that Alphatoy is technically like within Red Bull, the difference and the drastic difference that they have, even looking at pace, looking at how they do qualifying, looking at the speed, it is very different drastic the differences between those two teams i think even nick also had a, a close opportunity to get points as well in monaco he finished p12 so i think it definitely is um possible it's it's going to be interesting to see nick and how he's going to race in barcelona he's not raced in barcelona since his formula two days as well like so obviously he's been out of the game in that kind of sense um so it's going to be where a lot of pressure will go on him because his seed is up for grabs, potentially, whether he likes it or not. He's not performing to the level that people thought he was, especially the fact that Yuki's kind of running with him um, in regards to how consistent Yuki is in points, which sounds really weird for me to say, um, given that I'm not so much of a fan of him, or wasn't really much of a fan of him last season. But he's doing well for the team. He's kind of holding it back, um, holding holding up the team for it. But I don't know. I mean, is there? A, I think there might be upgrades in Barcelona, if I'm not corrected, or it might be Silverson. I'm not entirely sure that they're going to bring out some new upgrades. Um, but yeah, all eyes are going to be on Nick. Hopefully, that can kind of he gets some points. Given, I think he still has no points. If I am still looking at the standing, so yeah, one of the one of the two rookies that don't have any points, even though Yuki Tsunoda only has two points, that still makes a difference in the world of Formula One. So I'm, yeah, we'll see how it goes, but I don't know. I'm, I'm very skeptical to see if they could get points or even kind of high finishes. And that's just the name of the game. Not everyone's going to finish in the points. That's why it's so competitive this season. So we'll see. I think they'll be very close to fine four points, but it seems unlikely that they will. Yeah, it definitely is. Like I said, Alpha Tauri, they're, they're in an odd, odd spot. And they're just, you know, when you've, when you're making Yuki absolutely shine, you know that maybe something is not the best <laughs> in your team. Um, but or it could it just genuinely be that Yuki Tsunoda is absolutely steps up his game this season. We will hopefully find out uh, as the season uh, continues to unfold. But Charlie, we fall um, all the way to the back now. And Williams, and you think of Williams and you think they're, they're not too bad. Their car's not that bad. But then you realize that they're only on one point. And now going into a very competitive um, European sort of season, there is, I would say there's actually maybe a little bit more hope with Williams and the other teams that we've just spoken about of them actually getting points because Albon is doing a great job. Sargent is slowly getting there and surely there might be this opportunity for points throughout this sort of um, congested part of the season. No, I think you're right. Um, Albon, even in uh, Monaco, the last race, he had some issues by scuffing the wall and all that stuff, but he did have some decent 
the the Williams did have some decent pace, I thought, for what Monaco is in the speed and kind of how they 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 clumped up. And even before that, they're they're showing some promise. And maybe it is a bit like a you know they have to get the ball rolling, get some steam behind them. And like we just said about AlphaTauri, when Sonoda is making you uh, you shine, like Albon could easily you know take them take them for what you know take get ahead of them and get some points the mclaren is the mclaren there's been times where you know you're you're again in this in in this uh, grid talk podcast i too new here but i am a diehard mclaren fan so it pains me to say but it's not a like when you get ninth and tenth you're like all right let's 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 eke out some points but there are times when they're at the absolute bottom and i think williams might need to get some some points luck in that some of these they have to get ahead of the Alpha Romeos and the Alpha Taris and the McLarens that can't be as good, for lack of a better term, as ninth and tenth for them to get some points. But I don't think the one point is necessarily conducive of their overall performance this year. I think them just falling out a bit, you know, because you only have twenty race out of twenty racers only 10 are getting points. And if you're right on the cost, you could be 11th every single race and you're going to have zero. So I think, I, I don't think it's, it's panic mode yet for Williams. And I do think that they can probably pull some, pull some points out of this European stint coming up. It's kind of like the Giovinazzi problem of if you finish 11th, you know, you're not doing, you're not doing badly, but it still shows on your championship that you've gotten zero points and it, it, it puts you right at the bottom. It's a, it's, it's not the, not the best and it's the sort of the fickle world of formula one where only the top 10 um get points but it's just the way that it is in formula one and you've got to got to be there to get points so now it is time to move on to the predictions and we'll start with pole position um so philip who is going to be your driver on pole for stopping yeah, I, I think this may be a common thing. Um, Sophia? Yeah, I'll go, I'm going to say the same for Stappen. That's Stappen. Charlie? In a stunning turn of events, I'll make it uh, an even, or a complete three. It's a sweep for Stappen. <laughs> I think yeah. that Red Bull's just got too much speed on the, and there's just so much straight straight away there that nobody's got a chance. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Max Verstappen. Um, so now that we've wrapped that one up, uh, we'll get on to the race results um, and podium. Uh, so, Phil Verstappen? Sure. Um, and then uh, we'll go with Checo having a recovery drive this weekend and finishing second, playing his domestique role, bringing in the Tour de France since we'll be going to France soon. And then uh, in third place, I'll get it could end up being the whatever you know, wild card pick or whatever, but I, I'm going to go and say Lewis Hamilton gets a third place finish um, this weekend. Yeah, definitely possible with the upgrades. Uh, Sophia Verstappen. Yeah, I think Verstappen. I think though P2 will be Alonso, and then I'm going very similar to Phil, at, but I'm saying a different Mercedes driver. I say George will do P3 like he did last year. Okay. Uh, and Charlie Verstappen? Yeah. Verstappen uh, for first, Alonso second, and I agree with uh, Phil. I think Hamilton and the, the new Mercedes upgrade will 
we'll eke out for for third place. Okay. Um, I'm also going to go with Verstappen. It's 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 so boring, but I'm going to go with my my Verper a lot that we're going to meta that we're going to see uh, this season. I think it's just got to the point where F1 is really boring again. Um, so let's spice things up again and actually make some interesting predictions. Um, and Phil, bold, bold prediction for this weekend. Bold prediction. There's a lot of options. Um, I'm going to say Oscar Piastri qualifies in the top in eighth and he finishes there. Okay. Sophia? Oh, there's a few that I could choose. I think both houses in the points make up for how bad it was <laughs> in Monaco. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's quite a turnaround um, for Haas. Uh, Charlie? I th- may not be so bold, but I'm going to say that uh, both Mercedes on the podium, they push out the Aston Martin and the other Red Bull. Mm, new floor. New, new, new lease of life for Mercedes. I am going to go with... Um, I'm going to say that will be an, Ast- uh, an Alfa Romeo and Haas in Q3. And then there'll be a further Alpha Tauri in the points. Like, so all three teams gain points. It's, <laughs> you gotta go, you gotta go hard or ho- go home with these predictions. And they just, you know, I'm sure uh, a respectable betting company would give me quite a high odd on, <laughs> on that happening. Um, so that is all from us today. Uh, this show is pre recorded, but. We will be live stream, streaming both our qualifying review and race review for the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend on our YouTube channel. So make sure to go check it out. It's on F1 Chronicle uh, Grid Talk. Um, and the race, uh, the other reviews will go out an hour after each session is finished. So if you want to check those out, make sure to subscribe and also make sure to hit the notification button because then you get told when we go live. And it's great to join in um it's also available on amazon fire spotify google podcast apple music verbal and pocket cast just search for the f1 grid talk podcast we have a back catalog of almost 300 shows so if you're stuck with something to listen to between now and the grand prix we have so many episodes just give them a listen and they're not all just like this we actually have some interviews we have our fireside of course we have our formula talk series as well so there's plenty uh for you to listen to also please consider supporting our the channel on patreon we so we can get better mics lights and recording equipment for all of our hosts and just it's just really appreciated um so now it's time for uh my guest to get a plug in so phil we'll start with you you are from the grid strip podcast uh so where can they find more from you yeah, they can find the Gripster podcast basically anywhere you get podcasts. Uh, the easy way to talk about our show is as long as it goes fast, we talk about it on the Gripster podcast. So uh, we'll definitely be recapping everything that took place this past weekend. Supposedly a NASCAR race is about to start, but 
the way the weather is, I don't know if that's really going to happen. But um, if it does, we'll talk about that as well later this evening, our time here in New Jersey. Um, you can find me at PG Matthew 28 on Twitter. You can find my co-host Josh Huffine at JP Huffine on Twitter. And our uh, Twitter page is Gripstrip, at GripstripPod, um, at Gripstrip Podcast on YouTube, where we have the video feeds. And, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be out there with episode 171, I believe. My numbers may be a little bit off, but 170, 171, somewhere around there for – the recap of the greatest day in motorsports and a very busy weekend coming up. So um, thanks uh, Louis for hosting great job and putting up with all my technical issues. Great to uh, get on with you, Charlie for a first time and Sophie as always great work. So I'm um, great to be a part of the uh, grid talk crew. Thanks Phil. Uh, so Sophia, of course you are a co-host here on the, F- uh, the grid talk podcast, but also you're with EF1. So where can they find more from you? Yeah. Uh, so I work with everything F1. I primarily look at F2 and F3, but I do dabble occasionally in podcasting and F1 articles. You can find us on social media at join EF1. Uh, we have a website again, where all, all our articles are posted and that's at everythingf1.com. Uh, they have a weekly podcast, two weekly podcasts when it's race weekends to do a race review and then a preview and interview ones that go on live on Sunday and Tuesday. As mentioned, I co-host with Tom Downey, uh, another Grid Talk, um, yeah, F1 Chronicle Grid Talk co-host, um, where we discuss primarily F2 and F3, but we do uh, talk about F1 Academy, maybe IndyCar when the season is a little bit quieter, um, Freca and a few other kind of other disciplines in motorsport. And you can find it on the backlog channels. Um, we don't go live on YouTube. We pre-record. So um, our episode will come out in the next couple of days as well to preview F2 and F3 in Barcelona. Amazing. And Charlie, finally, uh, where can uh, our listeners find more from you? That. I'm not as involved with podcasting or any, any writing or anything like that for motorsport. I just like watching fast cars go fast, <laughs> but I am on Twitter at uh, Charles on channel 10. I gave the, actually the wrong thing when I was here last time. It was my old one, but this is the new one, uh, the correct one. And it's Charles on channel 10. If you like, or are interested in broadcasting or F1 or just some sports, I kind of talk about all of it, not necessarily in that order, but mainly a heavy broadcasting focus because that's what I do is broadcast live sports. So it's kind of the main focus. Amazing. Um, and if you want to see from me and my pre uh, like board <laughs> fence, fence line opinions on formula one, just come on, to, uh, watch the grid talk podcast. Um, so we'll be back with plenty more F1 content, of course, this weekend, uh, with both a qualifying review and race review for the Spanish Grand Prix. But until then, thank you very much for listening to the grid Talk podcast presented by bet online. Goodbye. <laughs>